Welcome to the Deeper Dive Podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday, and we do that by discussing things like historical settings and literary context, the way others before us have read the text, and our reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is a part of Calvary's Daily Connection, a place where Calvary shares something new each day to help you grow in faith, so we hope you check that out through Calvary's app or by going to connectwithcalvary.org. Well, this morning on the podcast, we're following up on the last part of Isaiah there. Very, very tail end. The very tail end. And I didn't have a lot of time to, um, uh, in fact, I didn't take any time uh, to talk about the background of Isaiah and uh, what that passage, I mean, I just I just talked about what the passage meant for us today. I didn't at all talk about what it meant in the time. Uh, but before I get to that, I just want to say that yesterday we did have the first Sunday in Advent, and I had someone ask, now, isn't that a week early? Well, actually, technically, it is. But here's why, and uh, we do have a, a, a legal right to do that, I believe. I didn't look that up under Illinois law, but uh, liturgical law, I believe, says <laughs> that we can do that. And so we did. Um, if we were to uh, wait a week to do the first sending Advent, that means that we would have done Christmas Eve Eve on Saturday gone backwards to the fourth Sunday in Advent on Sunday, and then done, I guess, Christmas Eve again that evening, and we're not doing that. We're doing, just to let you know, Christmas Eve Eve on Saturday the 23rd, and then Christmas Eve on Sunday at 10, 3, 5, and 7, and there will all be, somebody said, are we going to have candlelight and communion at 10 o'clock in the morning? Yes, we are. So Isaac's looking like we are, right? Yeah. We're having communion. We're having Oh no, not communion night. Always okay, I forget that. Say, all right. Sorry. Just wanted to make that clear. Sorry, candlelights. <laughs> Sorry, no communion. Um in other churches I've done that and so it's it's still stuck in my head. All right. So, let's go back to I let's go back to Isaiah. You can't see this cuz it's not video, but Randy's shaking his head at me again like always. Um So let's Let's look a little deeper into Isaiah. Um, um, Isaiah is traditionally broken up into three different books. Um, They all fit together, obviously. You can read through uh, the whole book of Isaiah, and it all fits. But Isaiah the prophet um, could not have written the entire thing. Uh, It was... it, it. spanned a cent- uh, what two and a half two to three centuries I don't remember exactly um, and Isaiah ruled uh, or was uh, prophesied for about a half a century uh, so it's consistent with the kind of thought he would have had uh, but it's broken up into like chapters one through 33 ish some people say through 39 um, and and that's the part that Isaiah himself probably uh, probably wrote um, some say that there's transition from chapters 34 to 39 transitioning from first Isaiah to second Isaiah um, and then uh, the Second part of the book, Second uh, Isaiah, would be uh, chapters forty through fifty-five, and then Third Isaiah would be chapters fifty-six through sixty-six, and that's the area in which uh, we find ourselves in the scripture that we read uh, on Sunday. And so, um, backing up 
to when Isaiah became a prophet, um, you know, the, the scripture that always comes to mind is his call. And in the year that King Uzziah died, <laughs> um, it, I don't know why that is always so, I guess, I guess because those are the words that um, introduce um, that passage. But um, it's kind of like the old once upon a time, although that's fake. And uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, Israel, and he was an awesome, wonderful king, uh, but uh, he was ill towards the last three years of his uh, rule and uh, had to uh, had to step down and uh, uh, be separated um, in, uh, was it leprosy he had? I don't remember. Um, I think it was leprosy. Was it leprosy? Isaac and I are thinking. Yes. And I just I read it. I don't know if it was the one after. One of them got busted for trying to interfere with the temple. Yeah, right? I don't think that was him. And, and he got leprosy because of that. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah. um, I don't, I'm not sure if that was. I don't think that was his. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Um, uh and, and so he was very well loved, uh, but his son took over afterwards and wasn't the kind of leader that King Uzziah was. And that's when um, um, Isaiah comes in. Um, Isaiah is ruling before, during, and after the, the Babylonian captivity. And so, um, I mean, the, the book of Isaiah is before, during, and after the Babylonian captivity captivity. And where we read today, I mean, yesterday, is um, after they are released. Um, and um, they are um, kind of trying to get their footing again, the Israelites, and uh, their cities are a mess, they're a mess. Um, I mean, imagine being in captivity, and then um, and then coming back to just everything is I don't know how else to say it other than it's a mess and and destroyed and so that's where we see it today and uh, the scriptures talk the scripture that was read um, talks about um, the people um, admitting that they were sinful, admitting that they had messed up, admitting that um, they had not done what God had called them to do, and the enemies are coming in from every side. And they want God to manifest himself in the way that, that God had before, during the time of David, during the time of uh, Moses. And, uh, and it's, it's not just for them. I mean, they want that so that the enemies will be defeated. Um, so it's not just that they want to worship God on a holy high mountain. They want safety and they want God to come rescue them. Um, and I think they not only want safety and God to come and rescue them, they want, they want and they always wanted after, after King David, even in the time of Jesus, they wanted restoration yes. back to the time when King David led them and they experienced a, a level of uh, a prosperity, a level of uh, peace, uh, peace or, or certainly a level of victory over all their enemies, right. a level of power. Uh, and so when they returned from uh, the Babylonian captivity, part of their prayer uh, at times 
and I'm picking into into next Sunday's Psalm 85, uh, but part of that is a time of rejoicing that they're back, mm-hmm. but also it's a continued prayer for full restoration of the kind of power that God, uh, when he parted the Red Sea, when he uh, led them into uh, Canaan, uh, and uh, they defeated uh and, and took over that land. They weren't looking just for restoration or just release. They were wanting to be fully restored to all of the what they perceived was the good things they had before their rebellion against God. Yeah, that's a good point. Good point. And that's where we find ourselves in the scripture that that was read. Um, and when we um, um, when we look at at um, at where they are, um, it it talks about um, uh, wanting God, as you said, to reveal Himself in that in that powerful, powerful way. Um, and when when we see um, when we when we talk about God and and uh, lift up in prayer, very often that's what we want. We want that um, we want God to to part the sea. We want God to, it talked about in this scripture, we want him to move the mountains and mountains are very foundational and nobody moves mountains. Um, and so the, um, um, I can't find the exact words that were used in this particular scripture, uh, but um, um, like melt the mountains, allow them to, to, uh, to just boil over in a sense. Um, and um, um you know that nobody does that unless it's God, um, um, and so we wonder about about the kinds of things that we expect from our gods. Um, oh, here it is: that the mountains might flow down or quake. Um, and um, when God spoke um, on Sinai, the whole mount quaked greatly. The scriptures say when He appeared to David. The earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken, the scripture says in Psalm 18, 7. So um, when, uh, when the Israelites spoke to God, they wanted um, it to melt and flow and tremble at the presence of God. And who could, who could um, um, doubt that this was their God who was, who was doing all that? Um, so that's kind of where we find ourselves in this particular scripture. Um, and, and they are confessing their sins. They are admitting who they are. Um, they weren't blaming God for what they were or who, had they, who they had become. They were taking responsibility for that uh, and yet saying to God, would you, would you take care of us here? Um, and I, I can understand why. I, how many of us have done that? Um, God, I know I've messed up. I know I've messed up. And then people make deals with God and say, uh, I know I've messed up, but if you'll just do this, if you'll, you know, if you would just ABC, then I will do whatever it is that you want. Um, and we've seen that in the Israelites over and over again, uh, make promises to God and, you know, um, and, and then drop those promises and and rebel against God. But if but God, if you do it this time, if you do it this time, we'll we'll be obedient. Really, really we will. 
and then they are disobedient. And but but God, this time, if mm-hmm. you do it, I mean, it's almost like a comical thing when you see it in uh, in the broader sense. If you just read through the Old Testament and and look at how many times, I mean, if we had, uh, you know, if we recorded how many times they did that, it kind of becomes comical until we look at our own lives. <laughs> It's not quite as funny when we look at our own lives and look at how many times we have said, God, we want to be obedient to you. And and this time we mean it. Mm-hmm. And then we find ourselves falling away. And this time, God, this time we really mean it. And then we find ourselves falling away. And that's why we look at the season of Advent and say, um, the term I used yesterday was a re-railing of our lives, um, a, a time of kind of coming back and saying, okay, God, we're home again. Um, some of us may have wandered far from home. Some of us uh, may be in, at home, um, just not quite in the living room yet. I don't know. Uh, can't take that illustration too far, but how far have we wandered and, and, um, and what does it take to get back? We have to do that on our own. Nobody else can do that for us. But certainly um, we can provide a season in which and God can provide a season in which we can recognize that that's where we've gone. I think it's interesting, and one of the questions that um, maybe somebody might ask would be, well, we're talking about Advent and we're talking about Christmas, so why is it necessary or why is it expedient or worth, what's the value for us? to understand a bit about uh, Isaiah and where the children of Israel were. Uh, Isaiah, uh, before they were taken into captivity, was actually uh, pretty strong in his condemnation of the kind of complacent worship that they were offering to God. He was pretty strong in his condemnation of the complacency. I guess it would have been hypocritical worship and the complacency they had in their in their attitude. And this is the one that I found really interesting was their failure to act with justice to the poor. And that was a big part of it. It wasn't just about they created false gods or false idols or it wasn't just about how they began to play around with the sacrifices, but that they had really lost a sense of vision about uh, acts of justice with the poor. And so where does that tie in today? And being somewhat careful not to get too far off a track, but I think there are, are places today in this country where we really need to be awake and aware of that kind of thing, whether that's hypocritical worship whether that's a level of complacency in the church uh, or this whole acts of justice to the poor issue. Um, and I'm, I'm really trying not to broach the political scene on this. Maybe I need to. But that whole piece is really, as I was reading through this again and reading through Isaiah again, uh, that whole thing is, is at some level right in front of our faces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we don't think about that when we think about Advent and Christmas. We don't. You're right. You're we right. think about Advent of uh, putting our Christmas trees up on Friday after we've come back from the Black Friday sales. Yeah. And we think about singing Christmas carols, which I love to sing. Uh, and we think about presents, and we think about and hear hear what I'm saying. I, there's nothing more holy in my mind than standing in a church on Christmas Eve. Our Christmas Eve Eve, 
and lighting our candles and singing songs of worship. But the reality is, is we've got that captured in what Christmas is, and it, I just don't want us to miss the coming of the Messiah right. was a great deal more significant. The coming of Jesus either the first time or even when we can connect that with the second coming had some deep significance because the children of Israel, as Isaiah prophesied, not only to them but about them, there were some bigger issues going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I just don't want us to lose that. I don't want us to lose that in all of the pageantry of Christmas. Uh, there's nobody that likes to to make nativity sets probably more than I do. But I don't want to lose the I don't want to lose the passion of why God did what He did, and why Jesus did what He did, because uh, because we were just uh, it, the children had got to the place where they were being so casual in their relationship with God, so loose in that relationship with God, and then just ignoring acts of justice and mercy towards the poor. And so I I just had a good rant a bit about that this morning. That was just my, my morning well, thoughts on that. Well, it's not just a rant. It's, a, it's um, the reality of, of what this is. Um, um, you know, I think people may say, well, you know, why don't we just stay in, in the gospel uh, in the Gospels, especially uh, those that uh, have long birth narratives and talk about, let's just talk about Jesus and let's talk about the Prince of Peace. And um, But the Prince of Peace came to shatter um, our, blow our minds and, and to shatter the systems of oppression. And, um, and we need to look at what those systems are today and what they are in our own lives and in our own homes, in our own communities in our own church what are we doing here um that um, ignore um, justice yeah it's funny you know the the longer birth narratives that people prefer uh, are mainly comprised of isaiah-like songs yeah. from mary and zachariah uh simeon yeah these people who are very much in the tradition of isaiah and speaking the kinds of um uh, anti, <laughs> you know, um, anti-imperialist uh, kind mm-hmm. of tone um, of Isaiah. So it's it's just it's always amusing. I think mm-hmm. when people mm-hmm. call for that, and what they're really going to get is more Isaiah. Right. <laughs> you know, when mm-hmm. you do that. Right. You know, right. You know, right. Yeah. Right. So before we ever even got to the gospel, I think it's important for us to understand what was going on in mm-hmm. Isaiah because mm-hmm. that's part of what drove the gospel. Part of that, that's what drove, pardon me, drove the, the Christmas event, if I can frame it that way. Mm-hmm. That's what drove that. It just didn't happen because we needed a nice story. Right. It happened because of the sinfulness of the children. Uh, and this is one of the few places, uh, and of course, we don't know how bad the captivity was. We hear some places in the Scripture about how bad that captivity was. Um, but uh, one of the few places where we hear they actually took full responsibility for what happened to them. That's not very often lifted out that way in the Scriptures because most of it they want to blame on somebody else. 
Um, and it's certainly, uh, in that instance, it certainly could have been the case too. I mean, most of those people that are, um, kind of speaking at that time didn't personally commit those, uh, right. atrocities that, um, you know, that they're referring to, that they're repenting of. I mean, this is kind of, um, guilt by association in, in some sense. And mm-hmm. so they're, they're really taking responsibility for something that isn't even individually theirs necessarily, but as a group of people, as a culture, um, as a, as a line, um, that continues that they are connected to, they've received some benefits from that kind of, um, coercion. Mm-hmm. And so they take responsibility for the downside of that as well. And that's not lost, I think, in our contemporary culture mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You can read that however you want. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, I remember not to get again off on a rabbit trail, being part of something called Concerts of Prayer back in the 80s, the 90s. Um, and uh, one of the things that uh, we practiced in that loose group or association was often uh, repenting for the sins of the country that we lived in. Because not everything. I'm glad I live here. Don't go. Don't come at me because I, I'm saying this. I, <laughs> but not everything that's happened in this country is something that we can hold our head up about. That's right. And not all of our behaviors are something that we can be proud of. And uh, part of what, um, part of what being a people, if we can capture what that means, is, is that we repent of the behaviors even though we weren't involved in them, or they were before our time. But something has to be done to make something right in some manner or form. And um, uh, I just don't want us to lose that in the midst of uh, in the midst of the nativity and the lit candles, because th- th- that's really the reason we're doing that. Absolutely. The need for that. It, Jesus came out of mankind's need for redemption and then for restoration. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to be talking. You talked about um, uh, going into the psalm that you're you're working on for next Sunday, and um, and and I'm working on the the next Sunday after that, um, which is um, uh, joy, and um, the the reason we can even think to experience joy is that God lifts us out of that. Um, and and yet that doesn't uh, release us from the responsibility to continue to work toward justice and reconciliation um, throughout the world. And so um, I, I think that's a really important piece to, to remember. Well, when we talk about God's love, a lot of times we make this a warm, fuzzy moment. And the reality is God's love is some pretty tough love sometimes. And it's and not it's necessarily messy. doesn't have a warm, fuzzy moment right. to it. And the children of Israel found themselves in a manner of God's tough love after that level of a disobedience they lived in. Um, <laughs> what are you um, trying not to say, Randy? Well, I'm just saying we have to be so careful who we follow in leadership because the children of Israel had a history of having a good leader and five bad leaders and having maybe a good one come back to repentance and another 10 times over of, of bad. And um, it... Uh, so we need to keep our eyes on Jesus and, and, uh, and, and look at what it, what it means to walk the walk. The walk. 
So, yeah. All right. Well, our time's up for today, and uh, we do thank you for listening, and we'd love to keep the discussion going with you. So if you have questions or comments to add to the discussion, you can find us on uh, Facebook or Twitter or uh, through the website, email, any of those ways would uh, would be wonderful. And uh, next week we'll be back with a deeper dive into uh, Psalm uh, 85. 85. Yeah, that's what we will do. So until then, grace and peace. Mm-hmm.